As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. I went to the door and I saw three police officers and priests. A highly regarded university dean. They said he didn't make it. Killed by a car as he crossed the street. This is an unfortunate accident. What police say the driver did. He lies. And why he's accused of doing it. This defendant has no driver's license. Raising questions about a tiny used car lot on Milwaukee's south side. Are you going to be fixing cars too or just selling? No, sir, just selling. This week on Open Record, the Wisconsin law that allows individuals to buy and sell cars for a living. They only accept cash, cash only. Even if they're not licensed to drive them. Does that concern you? I mean, how do you yes. feel? Yes. Yes, it concerns me greatly. From the Fox 6 Studios, this is Open Record. I'm Brian Polson here with Amanda St. Hilaire. Hi, Amanda. Hi, Brian. We are recording this episode on Thursday, April 8th for release on April 15th. And we're talking today about a story that aired on March 31st. But Brian, the whole incident that prompted everything we're about to talk about dates all the way back to February of 2020, before the COVID-19 pandemic, if anyone can remember what that time was like. So before we get to the car lot or the state law you mentioned just a few minutes ago, tell us about what happened, this fatal pedestrian traffic accident on the Marquette campus. So it was a February evening and uh, at the Wisconsin Club, uh, Marquette Business School Dean Joe Daniels was attending a function. And when the function was over, he left and was walking across campus, whether he was going back to his office, to his car. He was crossing Wisconsin Avenue uh, at 10th Street. So this is on the sort of the the eastern edge of campus uh, right by the interstate, Interstate 43. And uh, he is crossing Wisconsin Avenue to the south and then crossing 10th Street to the west. So he goes across one crosswalk and then across 10th Street. Now, evidence video cameras that police got after this incident occurred shows that Joe Daniels did something he shouldn't have done safety wise. He walked across when the light was actually green for the car going north south or going to the north for traffic going that way. That is Um, he had a don't walk sign and he walked anyway. Now, it's a college campus that happens all the time. People are walking. There are a lot of pedestrians on a college campus, and oftentimes people cross the street at times when they don't have a walk sign. It's not advisable. It's not particularly safe. In this case, it turned out to be a fatal mistake for Joe Daniels. A car was coming off of the freeway, had stopped at one stoplight at Michigan Avenue. I believe it's Michigan. I'm not actually sure of the street that it was at, but th- that car continued on from the stoplight. And according to uh, police, the car sped up quickly. Uh, It doesn't appear it was necessarily speeding by the time it got to the intersection, but the car struck Joe Daniels, uh, lifted him into the air and uh, and killed him. 
The driver of that car then stops about 300 feet away, and it's there are two people in the vehicle. What's not clear uh, from the video at the scene, it's obscured, is who got out of the driver's side door, who was behind the wheel. There were two people. There was a, a young man and a young woman. The young man, 21-year-old Jordan Jones. The young woman, 21-year-old Alandria Cartagena. They were boyfriend-girlfriend. When police go to speak to them, they notice a couple of things. First of all, they notice that the car smells uh, heavily of marijuana, and uh, and and they uh, they can see damage to the vehicle. They see that it was the vehicle that struck struck Joe Daniels. And of course, the natural question is, okay, who was driving? And in this case, the both of the uh, occupants of the car say it was the female, Alandria Cartagena who was behind the wheel, and that's sort of where this whole event uh, grows from there. And where did things go from there? Because I remember this crash being in the news and and being a big deal because it involved such a well-known figure in the community. But something like this isn't always an investigation when it comes to a, a news standpoint. No, pedestrian crashes, fatal pedestrian crashes are unfortunately all too common in Milwaukee. And oftentimes they make the news because they involve a fatality, but they're a one night blip on the screen and and then nobody really talks much about them unless there's maybe uh, some look at a particularly dangerous intersection or something like that or some other circumstance that leads to criminal charges. Oftentimes they are simply accidents. And in this case, the defense, this does ultimately lead to criminal charges, the defense says this was just an accident. But of course, it did involve a prominent figure in the community, and that's going to raise some additional attention and some eyes. And so Joe Daniels dies, and the question becomes, what happened, and was the driver of this vehicle in any way at fault? Well, again, initially, police are told by both Jordan Jones and his girlfriend, Alandria Cartagena, that she was driving the car. So the attention focuses on her and immediately police uh, start asking questions and they, in fact, uh, seek search warrants for uh, both of them to get DNA swabs to find out, uh, perhaps to, to determine that they were in the vehicle, if that needs to be proven later. But in filing the search warrants, when, when police request a search warrant from a judge, one of the things they have to do is state what crime do they believe this might be evidence of? The evidence you're seeking, what crime might it prove? And in this case, they said it was homicide by intoxicated use of a vehicle. So there was some belief that that strong odor of marijuana may well lead to a charge of homicide for someone who was intoxicated. Even if Joe Daniels was crossing illegally, if the driver of that car was drunk or high, then you could have a, certainly a homicide charge on your hands. It's not clear to me, while they got what they call the buccal swabs, that's to, to get DNA cells, it is not clear if any blood was ever taken from the person who they believed to be the driver, the female. Um, what is clear is they did not request or, or seek any kind of blood sample from Jordan Jones. And it wasn't until several days after the crash that things changed. And stories began to change, and suddenly police turned their attention away from the female and to Jordan Jones, and that's when everything here changed. And, and what change that caused them to do that? First of all, it seems as though police may have had some suspicions on the day of the crash. For one reason, they checked the driver's seat 
and it was in a position that was much farther back. The mirrors were in a position that suggested that it may well have been Jones who was driving the car. That's what's listed in the criminal complaint, and that's something they would have had to have noticed at the scene. So it appears that the car positioning suggested that it was, in fact, Jones, not uh, his girlfriend, uh, Cartagena. So that's one factor, but a few days after the crash, the female actually came back to police and changed her story. She said... I was nervous. I was scared. He told me to do it. He said that it would be better for me than for him because she was a validly licensed driver. Jordan Jones did not have a valid driver's license. And so according to police and according to the criminal complaint, Jones asked her to switch. He didn't ask. In fact, he told her they need to switch seats. And so uh, she switched seats inside the car. It appears they both ended up getting out the driver's side door. uh, But she told police she was driving Uh, And then a few days later changes her story. So now they have a witness, an eyewitness, someone who was in the car saying he was the driver. And they have the evidence of the, the seat positioning to suggest that he was the driver. But it went a little bit further than that because... Jordan Jones was already on probation for a felony uh, criminal case in 2016 in which he was caught dealing drugs in Port Washington. And uh, so he was still on probation for that case. And as a condition of his probation, having contact with police like this, uh, he with marijuana odor in the car, he was immediately placed on a probation hold. So he was put in jail. And while he was there, police decided to start listening in to some of his jailhouse phone conversations. And that's when they hear him calling a particular woman to talk about this case. And that woman happened to be his mother, Dawn Jones, also a convicted felon. And according to police, Jordan and his mother, Dawn, are having conversations about the female passenger or the female who said she was the driver, uh, saying that they, you know, they're at, he's asking his mom, do you think she's going to keep quiet? They're, they're talking, according to police, uh, the theme of the conversations is essentially she needs to keep her mouth shut and we need to make sure she does. Well, and besides the fact that she's his mom, so, you know, might be invested in what happens to her son, it sounds like in this case, Jordan's mother, Dawn, had another interest in this case. She did. And and if you look at the police reports, it's clear that the car that was involved in the crash as an Infiniti Q50 had notable license plates. They were dealer plates. And those dealer license plates are uh, belong to a small car lot called Equitable Auto Services. That's at 1605 Forest Home uh, Avenue on the south side of Milwaukee. And uh, it's a small car lot that started in 2019. It was approved for a license just a couple of years ago. And um, it has 14 parking spaces, so a maximum of 14 cars that can even be on the lot at any time. This is not a big place. Uh, that car lot was, uh, again, the license was issued to the lot in 2019, and Jordan Jones was working for his mother's car lot. Um, This actually, this information came to us, the fact that he was working for his mother's car lot. That's in the criminal complaint or it's it's referenced there. But more information about that came from a a tip that came to our newsroom, an anonymous tip or confidential tip that uh, not only was Jordan Jones working for Equitable Auto Services and driving around dealer vehicles without a valid driver's license, according to this tip we received, there were others doing the same thing. So we started to do a little bit of digging to find out who the state licenses to buy and sell cars for equitable auto services. And that's where we saw there may have been a bigger issue going on here. And what was that bigger issue? So the Department of Transportation uh, publishes on its website uh, 
every single day they update the list of people who are licensed buyers for car dealers. So if you want to go to an auction and buy cars at wholesale prices or at auction prices, and then, and you want to then either sell them to a dealership uh, at wholesale, or you want to you work for a dealership that then wants to sell them retail. If you want to buy cars at an auction, you and I, Amanda, can't just go to an auto auction. They are under state law. They are limited to licensed dealers only, or people who are authorized to be buyers for those dealers. So dealerships don't send the boss out to go and buy cars at auction. They have people who work for them who go to these auctions and buy the cars. And Equitable Auto Services, according to the list that's published every single day by the Department of Transportation, has 26 individuals who are listed as licensed buyers for the dealership, meaning those people can go to auctions in Jefferson, Wisconsin, in you know uh, Milwaukee. They can go really anywhere in the state where there's an auto auction. They can get in, they can get access, they can buy these cars. And of course, once you buy the car, you've got to get that car back to the car lot or wherever it's going to be sold. And, and that's really where the question comes in. Out of these 26 licensed buyers, we were able to determine that at least a dozen and possibly more do not have valid driver's licenses and did not have valid licenses at the time they applied for a buyer's license. So they either were suspended, revoked, or had never had a driver's license at all. Many of them are young. Some are as young as Jordan's, 21 years old. Others are 20 or maybe 25. And these are people in some cases who've never had a driver's license at all. And yet their profession, according to this, appears to be buying and selling cars to other people. So you're licensed to buy or sell vehicles, you're not licensed to drive them, but it raised the question, are you driving them anyway? As Jordan Jones is alleged to have been doing the night Joe Daniels was killed. So you have someone who is potentially going to, you know, Jefferson and and they buy this car, they've got to get it back to Milwaukee. Presumably to do that, they'd have to drive. But you're telling me a lot of these people don't have valid driver's licenses and are are still able to really go and do that. Well, it was interesting. When we aired this story, uh, some of the comments we received on Facebook, there were some people defending the car lot or defending uh, just the the premise that you need a license to uh, drive a car in order to buy one. Um, and some of those people said, well, have you ever heard of a car hauler or a tow truck? There are ways to transport vehicles that don't require you, the buyer, to drive the thing back to wherever you're going. In fact, if you think about it, in theory, if you drove by yourself to an auction, you can't drive both cars back because you got there somehow. So there are ways to get vehicles back to a car lot without driving it yourself. And in theory, even though you're not licensed to operate a vehicle, if you're licensed to buy one, you could, in theory, go to a car lot, buy a car, have it hauled away by a tow truck, by a car hauler or something like that. Now, those large car, car haulers, the double deckers, you've seen them. A lot of the bigger dealerships will have them. They might have you know half a dozen or, or a dozen cars that are being hauled down the road at any one time. A small car lot with 14 spaces not likely to have just economically the ability to go out and get a car hauler to haul a bunch of cars back. So more likely they're having people drive them back themselves, or they might have a trailer that that pulls them. We've been to Equitable Auto Services. We had a producer, producer Pete, who watched the lot on several occasions. Number one, not only did he not see a car hauler, a trailer, a tow truck, or anything like that, he didn't see cars coming and going at all. So we have a car lot that is licensed to do business in the city that has 26 licensed buyers all across the state. 
And yet we didn't see any cars. So it does raise the question about what's really going on at that business. Are they selling them from different locations? There is a warehouse uh, that is connected to Equitable Auto Services on the north side of the city. We didn't see much activity there either. But the point of this being more likely especially at the prices these cars are being sold. They don't have a middleman with a car hauler. Maybe they have a tow truck, which you could do. And this is what happened in the case of Jordan Jones. All we know is what we can prove. Jordan Jones took his girlfriend to Jefferson. And on the way back, they each drove a car. And when they got back to Milwaukee, she hopped back in a car with him and they were both driving around at the time. Joe Daniels was killed. So that's an easy way to do it. You take a friend along or another employee and you go and you, you both drive one car there and then you drive two cars back. With these other dozen people who are not licensed to drive cars, shouldn't be on the road, but are licensed to buy them and work for this dealership, it raised the question, well, are other people doing this too? That was really what we wanted to find out. And, and so we set out to find out, was this just a one-time thing with Jordan Jones or does this look like a pattern? And what did you find as you dug into that more? Well, for one thing, it was clear in looking at the uh, criminal and civil records of many of those dozen individuals that they had prior records. Not all of them, but some had prior records for driving while suspended, driving while revoked, driving without a license. That seemed to be a pattern for several. But we wanted to actually witness it for ourselves. Again, if the story is that, no, you can you can just take a car back on a tow truck, maybe that's what's happening. Is that what's really happening? So one of the other people we saw who was uh, very heavily advertising vehicle sales online was a man named Brandon Red, a young man. And Brandon um, posts Facebook videos at least once a week. Uh, first person Facebook videos, he'll go Facebook live and he'll show that he's walking around an auction and he's talking about all the cars that he's looking at and asking for people to place orders for these cars. Now, the state tells us he is not a licensed dealer. He can't sell these cars at retail. He's only licensed to buy them at auction on behalf of another dealer. And according to an application he filed with the state, he's licensed to do so through equitable auto services, which is Don Jones business. Um, the state does tell us that his license application was never approved. So he's technically not approved to buy these cars. But in a sort of a strange twist, the Department of Transportation says that once you apply for a buyer's license, that's enough to get you access to auctions while they process that. And even after they deny the license, which in this case they did uh, because there was some incomplete information, they say that doesn't necessarily mean the auction houses will stop you from coming in. So he filed a license application with Equitable Auto Services signing off on it as his employer. The state never issued the license, but the state says that's okay. He can still go to auctions. And sure enough, he did. We watched Brandon Red attend an auction in the Milwaukee area, and we watched from the outside. We can't get in. We watched from the outside of the uh, security fence and saw him walking around the lot, looking at cars, asking people on Facebook at the very same time, you know, what orders do you want to place? Um, and then the key moment, we saw him get into one of the vehicles that was purchased at the auction and drive away out onto a public roadway. So there's an unlicensed driver doing exactly what Jordan Jones had done, which is you're not supposed to be behind the wheel of a car, but you've got your license to get in the auction and buy one, and then you drive away in it. And that would suggest that it's probably more common with this particular uh, auto lot than, uh, than others might suggest. Uh, it does appear there may well be a pattern of unlicensed drivers hauling around cars on behalf of a car dealer. So what does the State Department of Transportation have to say about this? Because what you're describing sounds like a pretty big loophole. And we have one 
prominent example of someone dying after this happens. Well, and, and here's the thing. If you step back for a moment, the issue really at the center of this is not car dealers. The issue at the center of this is unlicensed driving. And that has been a problem in Milwaukee for a long, long time. People driving around with suspended, revoked, or, or otherwise not valid licenses and doing so really without much consequence. And there is a debate to be had over where you draw the line because many of the people who have suspended licenses only have them because of reasons that are associated with poverty. They, they couldn't pay a fine on a traffic ticket. Their license gets suspended, whereas someone with means pays that ticket with no problem and they move on. But there are certainly a, a large number of people who don't have licenses because they've never gotten the proper training. Uh, they've never gone to get a license. They've never taken the behind-the-wheel courses. And that may also be poverty-driven, but still, they don't have the safety training. And then there are others who have been caught time and time again driving poorly, speeding, um, baselining, as we've heard the term, uh, you know, where, where they're passing people on the right or passing at, at you know, at, at uh, intersections, um, blowing through red lights, all sorts of unsafe things that put people at risk. And this sort of elevates it to the next level when you have the state saying, we see driving without a license as so unimportant that we're still willing to let you buy and sell them for a living, even if you don't have one. The state's response to that is, well, that's what the law says. DOT's response is the law says they're two separate things. So you don't need a license to drive in order to buy and sell. And obviously, we talked to Laura Daniels, Joe's widow, who understandably has an opinion about that at this point, considering it was an unlicensed driver or at least allegedly an unlicensed driver behind the wheel of a dealership vehicle uh, that was just purchased at an auction um, who killed her husband. So, Brian... Where do things go from here? Well, first of all, with regard to the dealership, I don't know if they go anywhere. I mean, it would really take someone calling for a change in state law to make a change there. One thing I can tell you is Brandon Red, uh, the general, the he's not. I want to be clear, he was not involved in the crash in any way. He is not charged with any crime. He doesn't have a criminal record. But we saw him driving illegally with a suspended license. And his his uh, connection is to Equitable Auto Services. Brandon has been on Facebook since the story aired saying, you know, why are you coming after me? Aren't there you know bigger deals going on with all the things going on in Milwaukee? You're really concerned about a guy driving around without a license. Well, in connection with this case, yeah, that's that's the concern that's been raised. He did point out today, just today, and I, I said this, we're recording this on, on April 8th, so this will be a week later, but just on April 8th, he posted on Facebook evidence that he completed a driver safety course and has now reobtained a valid license. Um, he said that as a way of saying uh, that he was unfairly targeted by Fox 6, but in reality, I think it shows that our story prompted him to go out and get a valid license after all. So if that's the case, I guess, you know good for Mr. Red that he's now got a valid license and he can operate uh, uh, on the roadway without any concerns. Um, as far as the case goes with Jordan Jones, that is still pending. There is uh, a court date coming up later in April. Um, again, he is charged with two crimes. One is hit and run, though he didn't leave the scene. Hit and run, another element of that statute is that you are not truthful uh, with information. And since he's accused of lying to police about being behind the wheel, he's charged with hit and run. He is also charged with the count that's probably going to be a little easier for police to try and prove, and that is driving without a valid license causing death. And one more thing I just want to add is that uh, in terms of where things go now for Laura Daniels, Joe Daniels, obviously, uh, his death was taken very hard by the Marquette community and by many people who admired him. Uh, they have put together a scholarship in, in Joe's name, uh, but also one of his great visions was to see uh, a, a new business school 
uh, facility built at Marquette. And uh, the university just broke ground on that um, just a few weeks ago. So uh, his vision looks like it will be fulfilled. And obviously, this is not the way the Daniels family wanted to see this play out. But to see sort of that legacy uh, of Joe's uh, is, is something certainly that uh, something that, that Laura and, and their children are looking forward to. All right, this is the part of the podcast where we go off the record. We're getting a little more personal, having a little fun by answering a question we have not prepared for. Second week in a row where we have editor extraordinaire Dave Machuda joining us to ask the question because executive producer Sarah Smith is on a much-deserved vacation. Hey, Dave. What up, Fizzbos? <laughs> I realize that by, by doing this, uh, so we are pre-recording this episode uh, at the same week uh, as, as last week. So it sounds like Sarah's got a two-week vacation, which sounds pretty sweet. I'll bet she <laughs> wishes she had a two-week vacation. I'm, I'm sure she, well, and also if her vacation is with her children, which I, I believe it is. Uh, my parents used to say when it's with kids, it's not a vacation, it's a trip. So <laughs> that I might feel be like two weeks by the time. Yeah, it's over. exactly. Maybe maybe coming back to work will be a little easier. So, Dave, did you know you were going to have to have two questions prepared today for this because you did last week's and now you're doing this week's? So I, I did. I did not. So you just came up with one on the fly here? No, actually, Sarah gave me one for the recording this morning, and I bailed on that one because it was a little confusing. And so now I'm going to use it this <laughs> afternoon. Okay. Let's hear All right. It. I'm prepared. So this is the question. Would you rather go 15 years into the future with $50 million or start your life fresh at age 10 with all the knowledge you have now? That is very complicated. There's a lot right, to unpack because, with that. I mean, like right there, you know, would you rather go 15 years into the future with $50 million? I'm assuming that it's like, you know, traveling at the speed of light. You, you're gone for a little while and you come back and everybody else is 15 years older. Right. But, but you got $50 million. Yeah. And I'm assuming you would be 15 years older. No, you wouldn't. You wouldn't. Wait, you, so uh, see, this is, there's well, I don't too know. many so that's rules. Because like, if I'm like, still. Losing 15 years of your life, right, versus is going that worth back. 50 million? Versus going back to the age of 10. Well, I have an easy, even though it's super complicated, I have an easy answer to this. Well, it's it's not as easy. It's not easy. But but conceptually, it's easy for, for this reason, especially at the age I am now, which I'm 48. Um, you start to recognize how valuable time is. And so no matter how much money I have 15 years from now, and don't get me wrong, in 15 years, I hope to still be here and I hope to, 50 million would be great. Um, that would be wonderful. But you realize you can't buy back time, no matter how much money you have. So I, I think in that sense, I'd want to go back to, what was it, to when you're 10 years old? Yeah, yeah. you restart but, but, at the, but the age comp- of 10 yeah. with all the, the knowledge you have now. So that's the, the two complicating factors there is by going back to the age of 10, I, I, I then have not apparently met my wife and I don't have my kids. I don't want to give that up. So in that case, I'll go forward 15 and take the 50 mil. 
And the knowledge I have now, if that means sort of I remember all the things that have happened, I don't know that I want to remember all of them either. <laughs> so that's a boy, there's a lot to unpack in that question. Um, None of us would be working in TV news with all the knowledge we have. <laughs> I, well, that's a that's a very good point. I definitely would have gone. And it's not because I don't love my job and, and I've been I'm very grateful for everything and blah, 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 blah. But yeah, I'd probably pick another line of work. <laughs> we'll be sure to send this episode to our boss. Hey, Jim, no, 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 no. I've made it clear. I love my job. I love where I work. There's a reason I've been here 17 years. It doesn't mean that there aren't times you go, I wonder what it would have been like if I would have been, you know, someone with a, you know, a, a job that was nine to five that never involved weekends or holidays or, you know, any of the stresses of the news business. But uh, but no, I, I that's that's there's just so much there. I wouldn't want to do anything that meant I don't have my wife and kids. And so I guess in that sense, I'd have to jump forward. Right, because when you go back with all the knowledge you have now, like some of your decisions are going to be different and you don't know what the fallout of those different decisions will be. So it's like, does one small different choice because I have knowledge of the future, does that mean I don't get my kid? Does that mean I don't meet my husband? At the same well, I'm married. I'm married for a second time. So it's am I going to and the kids came from the first marriage. So if you say go back in time, are you going to relive all those decisions again? Well, that doesn't make any logical sense. Well, that actually, that was one of the questions I had was, does it starting fresh at the age of 10? Does it mean going back in time at the age of 10? Or does it mean the time is still 2021, but now you're all of a sudden 10 years old? I love when we have Dave on because suddenly this feels like a sci-fi <laughs> podcast. Oh. This does. <laughs> because then you got all sorts of paradoxes, you know, and everything. Would I go back in time and kill Jeffrey Dahmer? You know, <laughs> Wow, that raises all sorts of new things. I, I'm going to choose to interpret it as you are going back to when you were 10 and starting over that you have knowledge of your future. I don't. I feel like I would have to – I feel like my first instinct is to say I'd want to go back – to when I was 10 with all the knowledge I have now, because I love the idea of having information everyone else doesn't. Uh, <laughs> that's what makes me a nosy investigator. <laughs> um, but You're like Biff from Back to the Future 2 or 3, whichever <laughs> one it was, where he's going to you're gonna get rich betting on sports. Exactly. But uh, when you when you like think it through and think about the practical implications, I feel like I'd have to jump ahead. 15 years and I'm 30. So, you know, it's, it's still precious time. Um, but yeah, I think jumping ahead to, to 45 would, would have to be my choice after I give it some thought. You know, the saddest part of this, I just realized is that if Amanda jumped ahead 15 years, she'd still be younger than I am now. <laughs> it didn't strike me until she said that. I had, anyway, I had I was recently talking to a former coworker who was very, very upset when he found out that he is older than my father. <laughs> so oh, we're not in that situation. So Dave, how about you? Because you get to answer this too. Uh, well, initially I was thinking the jump ahead thing because I was looking at it as. I would stay the same age. I would just jump ahead 15 years, not that I would age 15 years mm. um, because I'm pretty old and tack on 15 years and it's really getting near the end. So I would definitely do that. I'm not real terribly interested in doing the go back to 10 kind of thing. Yeah, but then you have to relive middle school. Oh, God, not in a million years. 
have either of you seen the movie Arrival? No. Yeah, I love that movie. It's a great movie. Um, and it, it was it was entertaining. But yeah, the the, the time thing, kind of a and, and, a mind twist. And her knowledge of what is coming, and she still goes on with her life knowing what's coming, kind of thing. It, you know, so it brings up all sorts of that kind of stuff. And so, I think if if I could stay the same age I am now and just jump ahead fifteen years. I would probably do that. But see, the thing, the money can't be much of a factor because if you're going back in time with the knowledge you have now, you would know to invest in, you know, right. Apple and and invest in, you know, whatever, in, right. in uh, Tesla and stuff like that. So you could make your $50 million in other ways and still get all that extra time. I want Dave to keep coming on and asking, like, all kinds of paradoxical <laughs> sci-fi questions. Um, well, this was, Sarah, this was Sarah's question. Dave just yeah. gave it some caveats. All right, so 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 we have Dave and Sarah on next time to answer the question of if you dismantle an entire ship, like one plank at a time, at what point does it stop being that same ship and become a new <laughs> ship? That's a whole different Someone's paradox. Someone's been watching WandaVision. WandaVision or, or way too many TikTok videos. In any case. <laughs> well, on that note, if you have a question you want to submit for our Off the Record segment, or if you want to suggest a topic we should discuss on the podcast or an issue we should investigate, please send us an email. You can send your emails to fox6investigators at fox.com. Again, that is fox, the number six, investigators at fox.com. As always, thank you to the people who make this podcast possible, producer Pete, Dave Machuda, Suzanne Barthel, and Sarah Smith. And please subscribe to Open Record if you haven't already. You can find it wherever you get your podcasts. With that, I'm Brian Polson For Amanda St. Hilaire, we'll be back again next week. 